All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Can you see it? Did you know? Jackman, the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, it arms the line, Hughes, scores! You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network Podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season at ZephyrEpic.com. That will get you $5 off your order. 
at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic on all platforms. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50. Pokemon cards, hockey cards, baseball cards, which might go defunct soon. I don't think we're going to talk about the MLB lockout on this show, but all that and much more at ZephyrEpic.com. Go check them out on all social media platforms, Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. They've got it. You should go check them out. Zephyr Epic. And like I said, they ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50. From where, Chris? From Mission to Maple. From Mission to Maple. ZephyrEpic.com. We're also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word. And that will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Quadrelli. I am joined, as always, by the man who built the place not dressed like a traffic cone today, Chris Faber and Harmon Dial of The Athletic. Harmon, how's it going? It's, uh, it's going well, boys. How about you? Pretty good, actually. Like Harmon's got my look. He's a, you and me are almost matching quads. Yeah, we, yeah we, we do have a nice little look going here. Yeah. Normally, that's what Harm's wearing the relaxed look. That's my look normally. Yeah, I, I was. I, I woke up and I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it in terms of. You know what it is? I need a, uh, another jacket that's like actually keeps me warm and looks nice. Yes. Other than the overcoat, I wear the overcoat too much. Already. I bought a second overcoat myself on uh, on Cyber Monday. Yeah, I need a second one. Got a little gray one coming in. I'm excited to flash because I tell you those. Is that what they called overcoat? Yeah, your yeah, overcoat yeah. looked really good, by the way. Yeah, apparently it did. Yeah. I was at uh, went to the lights last night up on the suspension bridge. I was, there. I was proud of you. I yeah. was so proud. I of thought you. I saw that posted on Instagram looked good, and you and me, like, I tell you, I've been at ends with what you've been posting on Instagram. What did I see the other day? Your first charcuterie board. It's on a plate, and it's freaking little pieces of cheese and some dirty crackers that have rolled around on the floor. That charcuterie <laughs> board was the most disgusting thing I <laughs> ever seen in my pepperoni. life. And yeah, freaking pepperoni from the freaking Lunchables pack. My shark coochie board. Yeah, I said, I'm on that thing. I said, what the hell? I haven't sworn on social media in three <laughs> years until I dropped an F-bomb on your Instagram because I was pissed off that you even put a word oh. similar to charcuterie on what the hell that was. That was my shark coochie board. Wasn't happy about it. No pickles, <laughs> no fig jam, no, no ketchup. Ketchup. You got to post a ketchup charcuterie board. Man, you know, PJ was telling me today, put apples on it. Yeah, apples is good luck. I'm, I'm going to try that. A couple I'm, things of grapes, too. That. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm going to try all of those things. Strawberries, you're back on Smoked them. Gouda cheese instead of oh, yeah. what I had. Smoked Gouda is a good cheese. I had cheddar cheese. God, you know, we should have brought Phil in for this one. Yeah, darn. Well Speaking of which, that. yeah, we'll, we'll hop right into it. Uh, we have a conversation with Phil DiGiuseppe, which we'll hit at the middle of the episode. First, we're going to talk about the Vancouver Canucks and their two wins. But yes, Abbotsford Canucks forward. Phil DiGiuseppe talked about a lot of stuff with us. Talked to him about commercial drive. Got a lot of Italian talk. Yeah, in there. I was going to say, that's why we had to bring Harmon here. I was going to get crushed by the Italian talk between <laughs> you and him. Oh, and, I forgot uh, to ask about Dominic the donkey. Oh, yeah, that's right. The, He's uh, a dark-haired Italian, Phil. Yeah. So maybe and you know knows. what? Just quickly about Phil DiGiuseppe, like as a player, he's got to get called up to the Vancouver Canucks. Like, listen, we look at other guys out there, whether it be like Nick Patan, who's a small guy. Uh, Will Lockwood's even small, but I'd like to see Will Lockwood get called up too. But like, I go out there and I stand next to Phil DiGiuseppe. He is not a small guy either. Yeah. Like he's good. He led the Rangers in hits last year. Yeah, he led the whole Rangers in hits last year. I mean, we yeah, like we talked about him. We talked about him in the interview a little bit. Like, why did Rangers fans love you so much? I mentioned that I posted the tweet of him scoring that through the legs goal, which I hope a lot of people he hits saw. and fights. And he hits, he fights, he he does a lot of things in the AHL so well that 
he to me is the is the guy to get the next call up. Like I like I love Will Lockwood. I love his play style. But if you're looking for an NHL ready guy right now, Phil mentioned it like last week when I was talking to him, and he kind of you know confirmed it here on the pod when he joins us later. Like he's playing his best hockey right now. He's he's penalty killing well in the AHL. He's the guy that needs to come up and and play. And sorry, like I'm giving the answer to our poll question, which we'll get to after the <laughs> Phil DiGiuseppe interview. But hopefully, people have answered the poll question by then, so they haven't heard this episode yet. Because we tweeted out a poll early for once. Yeah, we did. We and did. and the one thing I was going to say about DiGiuseppe, and when we got into our conversation, because I was curious about why he was demoted, right? Because he had such a strong camp, and that was a narrative that all the media and fans had. I was shocked. Well, as shocked as you can be for a fourth line type of death depth role that he didn't win out a job, and to hear him mention the the fact that in his conversa- conversations it was the penalty killing aspect, uh, which is ironic considering the PKs <laughs> turned turned around a bit recently, but it's been historically bad. <laughs> so we want to, yeah, you might want to use any extra penalty killer on the Vancouver team, and you know what? Yeah, we I think we are going to see him in Vancouver soon like it wouldn't shock me to see him come up in the next injury that happens to a forward or even if things start to go south again like this is the time to get him a shot because maybe he's your next tyler mott because tyler mott is a guy that now could potentially be a trade option moving forward here maybe phil can do a lot of similar things there i think a lot of people are expecting lockwood to do it maybe next year or down the road but I would like to see what they have with Phil DiGiuseppe. Guys played over 200 NHL games under his career already. We're going to get, yeah, and absolutely, we had a good conversation with him. We're going to get to the question soon, and we're going to get to the interview as well. But someone tweeted this, and Harmon, I want your opinion. Someone floated out there that you could get a first-round pick for Tyler Mott. I don't think that's true. No. But do you think you get a second? Like a team looking for a pretty cheap bottom six option can kill penalties well. Like a contending team. Is a Toronto, is a Tampa Bay giving up a second round pick for Tyler Mott. I, I look at Felino last year and kind of, I think it's a bit of a bit of a stretch. Maybe if it's really a seller's market, because the thing to keep in mind is a lot of people will bring up the example of Barkley Goudreau, but the appeal of Goudreau was he wasn't just a rental. You had multiple runs with him and he was on a steal of a contract, whereas Mott's a UFA at the end of the mm-hmm. season. So you only get one run out of him. And beyond that, I mean, Mott, I don't think would stack up as favorably to, like, definitely not compared to Felino and Matthias Janmark. But you know what? The market generally last year was strong in terms of the potential returns. Like, Tanner Pearson would have returned at least a second, maybe a second plus. Hmm. But I, I think it's a bit of a stretch to expect a second for Mott. Okay. I just want to get that out there because we'll see. Question. We'll see. Every every here's the thing. Every market is different going into the trade deadline, yeah. so we're just gonna have to kind of see how things you know play and what trends teams follow. Because like it's funny, it's such a copycat league where I mean, like Montreal into the Cup final, and then guess what happened? All these like big, sort of like rugged older school type defensemen got paid. Uh, and all these teams started investing in backup goalies. Like these trends change all the time, but yeah, I think a second is probably a stretch for Mott. Okay, interesting. I Good think though, if if Mott were to go on a run and score some goals, people saw what he did in the playoffs in the bubble, like where yeah. he right. stepped yeah, up his that, game. That definitely, I, I agree with Harmon that, that does it's a mean stretch, something, but it's also definitely possible, it's, and it depends on the market. Right? Yeah, and if you get a hot market and you get Mott scoring a few more goals, and then. 
People like they're like, oh, look at this guy who will be available, can play on our fourth or third line. He can kill penalties. Hey, he also has eight goals this season. Yeah. You know, if he starts that's what it would goals, take. And then they would look back and see him in the playoffs and see what he did to score those goals. Those are some nice goals that he scored in the playoffs. There. We don't have a breaking news button, but the Canucks just loaned Travis Hamanick to Abbotsford. That's strange. Do we have any de- any idea why? We're not getting Mr. Booth here, eh? Because I don't want this no, live this on. Is We're keeping PR. it in. This is official Canucks PR. Your phone went off. My phone went off because we both have tweet notifications on. And he just got loaned to Abbotsford. The only potential thing I could see would be calling up a, another defenseman instead of him. But he just practiced today. It's not like... Right. But they still have it under the 30 days, I believe, that they can still send him down without having yeah. to pass their waiver. Yes. So... Unless they want to play another defenseman or they want Hamannick to get into two games this weekend. Okay, we're going to have to follow this. We're going to have to keep a close eye on this as the show kind of progresses. But yeah, very Abbotsford-esque episode this week. As we're recording, Travis Hamannick loaned to the Abbotsford Canucks. And you're going to be listening to this on Saturday morning, folks. So, you know, we're recording this on Friday afternoon. So hopefully we have an answer at Canucks Army by the time this episode's actually posted or we'll have it all over Twitter, you'll hopefully know what's going on with Travis Hammond. It's quarter to five on a Friday. Might be too late for Dolly. He might be already into the crown Royal. <laughs> yeah. Let's get Dolly. Let's call Dolly. We'll call do two guests Dolly this week. Just see what he says. Yeah. Oh, I was sitting there the other day at the rink and we were joking about this. Me and the, and the PR guys out uh, in Abbotsford we're saying, how does Dolly Walt like, does he, how does he know that Klimovich is going to be sad? He ain't text. Like, is he texting the agent every day? It's like, hey, is Klimovich going to be healthy scratch today? Like, he can't be texting the agent every night, can he? Like, is he texting that much? No, I, I wonder. Dolly has got to have a contact. I think the, the agents, you know, hey, you want to want to get the uh, Canucks fan base going a little bit? My 18-year-old's getting sat tonight. Boom. Dolly Wall hits him with the tweet. Huh. Coach doesn't come out to speak that night. The only night Trent Call hasn't came out to talk. Wow. When Klimovich was healthy scratched. Wow. On a night that like he should have came out and talked. It was a very good night. Sheldon Dries. I, I, let me just touch on this because we haven't recorded since this. But, man, what a fun two nights that I had out in Abbotsford. Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Tuesday night, you have Phil DiGiuseppe scoring that beautiful through the legs goal to give him the lead late in the second. And then Sheldon Dries the night after puts up the first hat trick in Abbotsford Canucks history where he scores an unbelievable goal to give them a 5-4 lead. Like, I've really been, and people have probably noticed this from the podcast, that, you know, it's been kind of hard to, like, feel excited, right, about not only, like, the Canucks, but just hockey in general. That Tuesday and Wednesday night for me was really just what I needed to just get the energy back into wanting to cover this team. Now I'm just covering the outs for Canucks, though. Yeah, and I was out at Vancouver Canucks practice today. We're going to talk about the Vancouver Canucks now because I recently, Chris and Harmon, I was just reading these like psychology research papers about confidence. That's kind of what I've been writing about recently and working on a big story about it. That's why my line of questioning was very pointed today, asking everybody at Rogers arena about confidence and that sort of thing. So I found out some interesting stuff because, you know, I I get Canucks Twitter and I don't blame them, but a, a lot of people are kind of pointing out the fact that, Oh, these games don't matter because they were against two bad teams. Well, scientifically, that's not how confidence works. It doesn't matter who you beat. Getting those two wins, and especially in the fashion that they did against Ottawa, that matters. And Harmon's grinning. It doesn't matter because they're not going to make the playoffs. That's fair. That's fair. But like, that's why it doesn't matter. Like, good, good for, like, yeah, good. I'm, I'm at least glad. Sure, they're going to feel better about themselves, and I'm sure they're going to go. Like you're right, and like your premise is right in that. I'm sure they're going to build confidence and go on a bit of a run in December because they've kind of played better as of late and they're not nearly as bad as their 
you know, their, their, t- their team on paper shouldn't be as bad as a record. But the reason it doesn't matter, the reason why people are saying who cares that they beat Montreal and Ottawa is because this they're still not going to make the playoffs. Because they need to win 40 games pretty much over the next 60. Yeah, they need to play it like a what? Like a 105-point pace? Yeah, something like that. But no, Quad, keep going because you, yeah, no, you did I, a bunch of research. Going, yeah, you did all your, your confidence. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> tell crying us, in the corner Tell here. us how confidence is going to get the Canucks to Stanley Cup this year. Go off. Well, I, okay, here's the thing is is what, what Harmon was saying. It makes sense. But the thing is, is like, you know, the reason this team hasn't won games is because Luis Patterson hasn't looked confident. It's because their top guys haven't played like their top guys. Well, against Ottawa, their top guys started to look a little bit better, right? Like, Quinn Hughes looked good all season long, but there was a little bit of growth for Patterson, it seemed like. And even Besser was on the ice for Luke Shen's goal. And that's just a little thing that it's going to add to confidence. And look, I'm not saying they're going to go on a run here, but I'm saying that the one thing that we've all talked about with this team is such a lack of confidence, right? Like... If they have any chance of turning it around, they have to start playing with more confidence. And the thing is, we've all said that all season long, but there's so much that goes into it. It's not as simple as just saying, hey, work harder and confidence will come. Like, that's not how it works. And you know what? It was really interesting because I learned a lot of this yesterday, like reading about it. And there's like 26. This is specifically to athletes. There's like 26 factors that play into confidence. And honestly, talking to Travis Green today, I bet he could name like 20 of them because he was talking and I was actually very intrigued by the answer he gave because I kind of asked him to reflect on his playing days. His answer was hilarious because he said like, yeah, if we're talking about confidence scoring, I never had it. So um, I I don't really know how to relate to that. But he also said like I've coached enough guys and seen enough guys uh, in my time in the game. And he gave a really thoughtful answer about how it's like it's really not just about telling guys to work harder and that the confidence will come. Like there's a lot that goes into it and he's bang on. Well, let's hear the, let's hear the answer right here. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Chris, cue up that audio, hit it. Travis, I'm wondering if you can kind of recall what it was like in your playing days when you were playing with confidence compared to if there was a time when you were going through a bit of a dry spell, maybe didn't have the most confidence. You know, I didn't have a lot of confidence. A lot of times if we're talking about scoring, so, um, but I have been around enough guys that haven't scored and coached enough. You know, guys will go through droughts. And, uh, you know, it's easy to say, stay confident, be confident. I think at the end of the day, um, when you're really working uh, and skating and, and competing on a puck, uh, sometimes confidence will just come from that. Sometimes you'll get an ugly goal and, and all of a sudden you feel good about yourselves. I think there's certain indicators with every player and they're not all the same. Um, as far as if they're doing some some good things and the puck just isn't going in the net, and uh, you know that's part of that communication and dialogue with players. It's it's not as simple as just saying, "Hey, work hard." You're going to get confidence either. Um, you know, so confidence can come from different things, but it doesn't just happen because you want it to happen either. And I understand that. So yeah, that was the conversation with Travis Green today. Well, what else do you want to say about confidence? Well, yeah, you did all the, the research. The thing about confidence is, you know, when guys are snake bitten, there's a lot that goes into it. And with Elias Pettersson in particular, the way it affects athletes is ways that, like, it's almost an easier way to explain it is, you know, in a horror movie, when you see someone kind of fumbling for their keys when there's an axe murderer behind them. Never and, seen a horror movie in my life. What? Seriously? You have. 
Well, not in the past, like, 10 years. Okay. Regardless, you understand the premise. I saw of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Regardless, you understand the premise of what I'm saying, right? Since then, the scariest movie I've ever seen <laughs> is probably uh, Bird Box. Is that a horror movie? I don't know. That, I watched that one. That wasn't uh, very scary, but that was the last, uh, last horror movie I've seen. Are you done? No, the last movie I've seen in general is... Uh, no, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Regardless, you understand the premise of what I'm saying, right? If you know, axe murderer behind you, the last horror movie I've watched, <laughs> fumbling for your keys. That sort oh, of thing. like a Scooby Doo episode. Yeah, I've seen those. All right, we're gonna go to break. We're just gonna go to break. We'll go to Phil Giuseppe. I'm done. I quit. No, keep going. Tell us. Get to your. Get it out. Well, I'm trying. I know. We'll, getting interrupted. We'll figure it out. Finish it. The premise of what I'm saying: you fumbling for your keys. That sort of thing. That actually all comes from adrenaline and not. You're nervous. You're not confident in your ability to get away from the axe murderer. So even though you want to just hold the keys and you may think it's dramatic, but that actually happens in real life, right? You may think it's just dramatized for um, movies and television, but that's not true. Like it's, it's real. And the real premise of it is almost like we heard Simone Biles in the gymnastics team talking about the twisties as they call it. And it's when your, your brain just can't communicate with your body and you feel like you're not in sync that happens to athletes when they're not confident. And right now, like, again, don't want to speak for Elias Patterson, but that's something that he could be going through right now, just with all the outside factors. And I'm not trying to say I know exactly why he's not confident, but I think we can all kind of agree that he's a player that doesn't look like he's playing with a ton of confidence right now. And it's not as simple as just saying, go work harder and be confident. It's not that simple. Like, can I make my own analogy? Sure, Is that course. what it's called? An yeah. analogy? Go ahead. This it's is like take over the radio show, by the way. I'm quite the athlete myself, personally. Just kidding. <laughs> but when I think of like, so you're talking about the pressure, just it's coming from the pressure though, right? Because otherwise, where is it coming from? Well, it's a lot of different stuff, right? Like not getting the results is the biggest, right? But even outside noise, that does play an effect. And I know they say they tune it all out, but it does play an effect. Like, in the experiment, one that I was reading, an Olympic athlete was talking about how he, in the morning, saw that his opponents that he was going up against, despite him being the best in the world, his opponents had a really crazy warm-up routine that he'd never seen before. And that threw him off. And he said, like, I couldn't even focus on my warm-up routine, and I was screwed after that. And yeah. Connor Garland even brought up the routine thing today, unprompted. I did not bring this up to Connor Garland, asked him about confidence, and he talked about routines. And he said, like, just getting into a routine really does help you uh, to, to build that confidence. So I'm just saying, like, I, I know it's it's been a bad start for them, and I know they're not going to go on a run, but... Building confidence is only a good thing for this hockey club right now, and that's what I think we're going to see from them. That's kind of what I meant. Like they're just getting to they they're getting to a point where they can't do the things that they know that they can do. That's kind of what I was asking you. Like that's where the confidence when you don't have the confidence that you just can't do the things that you're used to doing. That's why I was kind of asking about pressure and everything. Like I the way that I looked at it was like you brought up the the jangly keys or whatever. I was thinking like, okay, if I'm if I'm in the press box and I'm taking a video. Like, I'm not nervous to ever take a video. I could take a video of harm right here. But if I'm in the press box and there's pressure of if I drop my phone, it drops onto somebody like that would worry because there's pressure on a situation of something that I know I can always do. Like when I'm taking a video of you, I never drop my phone. But when there's pressure added to me taking a video because my hand is now hanging over the edge of the, the gondola there. Like then there is pressure. It just you feel the pressure of like, oh, I don't want to drop my phone. But when I'm staring at you, like I'm not worried about dropping my phone ever but it might make the video harder to do that's the way that i was looking at compared to your keys thing there's a net there just so you know 
There's something there to catch. Yeah, well, I, I was thinking about because I went to the suspension bridge and I was trying to take all these cool videos and I'm hanging over the bridge here. Wow. Like, you know, it's the same thing walking across the suspension bridge. I know I can walk, but when I'm on a suspension bridge, I'm like, oh, man, if I take if I take a slip here, I was thinking about that on a suspension bridge. If you're seven foot eight and you fall and you just lean enough onto that thing, like if you're short, the thing's going to like hit you in the side. So if you're Tyler Myers, if you're Tyler Myers, and you're on that thing. That thing's hitting you right like in the thighs. You got more body on the you're going over right off the bat. That's a yeah. spec- oh, there's a guy in front of me on suspension bridge. Don't know his name, so what? And he's freaking stomping on the bridge. He's pushing there back and forth. There's like kids walking by the other way, and he's like jumping on it, pushing. I'm like, buddy, how old is this guy? He's in his 40s, probably looking like that. Just one of these idiots. Freaking the guy we saw <laughs> might have been the same guy <laughs> from Parallel. Yeah. All no, right, we're not going to talk about that. We're nope. going to cut to break, and then we'll get to Phil. I'm going to well, I'm going to perfectly transition this. You know, he's got a lot of confidence right now as we're talking about confidence. Phil DiGiuseppe coming off the AHL goal of the week as he went through his legs and scored a beautiful goal. He's heating up right now and uh, had a great chat with us. Almost 30 minutes long. Uh, had some fun, some fun chats there. Quads uh, came in to talk a little Italian with them, and then they got out of there. But we'll throw to the ads right now, and then on the other side, we will get to our interview with Phil DiGiuseppe. Winter is quickly approaching, but wait, that means your favorite seasonal brew is back to cheer you up. The Tukes of Hazard is now available across British Columbia and Alberta in their government and private liquor stores. This extra strong brew has a whopping 9.2% alcohol, big hop punch, even bigger body and aroma, and just a touch of white haze. The Parallel 49 fan favorite is smoother than a freshly cleaned ice rink. All right, joining us now from the Abbotsford Canucks, coming off of one of the most beautiful goals we've seen all season, Phil DiGiuseppe. Phil, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you guys doing? We are doing awesome. It's been uh, a good little Friday, sunny day, enjoying the uh, the weather out there in Abbotsford. I know everyone that I've talked to out there seems to be a pretty big fan of the mountains surrounding you guys. Yeah, it rains uh, quite often here, as you know, but uh, when uh, the skies are clear, it's... Uh... It's a thing of beauty. Me and Remps were actually driving away from practice today, and you could see the white cats clear, and it was uh, it's pretty uh, special to uh, get to look at that every once in a while. Absolutely, yeah. You don't get a lot of sunny days. You got to take advantage of them out there. No. That's for sure. <laughs> Are you uh, getting exactly. used to the rain? I mean, it's it's been crazy out there, especially this month. I know that uh, you know you guys have obviously dealt with a lot of flooding out there in Abbotsford, but just kind of getting into the city. What are your overall thoughts of? Uh, kind of making place here in uh, Abbotsford. Oh, I like it. Like I said, when it's a beautiful day, it's, uh, you know, it's something special. Um, I think the last nice day we had, me and a few of the guys went on a nice, went on a nice hike and, um, you know, had some nice views. So um, I think it's a, it's a really nice place, especially if you like the outdoors. Um, and then in regard to the rain, I don't mind it just because I'm at the rink for, quite a bit every day then when i get back it's uh it actually helps me unwind so um i'm not too affected by uh the copious amounts of rain <laughs> that's good to hear yeah i'm sure the outdoors guys are a little pissed about it trying to get out and do some things but uh, everything's all muddy i'm sure but uh how different yeah. is uh how different is it from uh, where you were born i want to get uh, get the lowdown on maple ontario what a great sounding city name yeah so i was actually born uh probably 10 minutes from Maple. I grew up in Thornhill, Ontario, and then 
um, when I was about 11, we moved to Maple. Um, if you've never been there, there's a big amusement park called uh, Canada's Wonderland. Um, that's kind of like the signal of where you are. A lot like when you play like uh, hockey tournaments growing up, a lot of like the American guys are kind of they know where that town is because of that uh, amusement park. But um, it's a great little town. Um, a lot of hockey, a lot of Italians. So uh, I fit in well there. <laughs> Restaurants got to be good out there, I'm sure. Yeah, there's uh, there's quite a few good spots, and then uh, you know if you take a 30 minute drive into Toronto, it's, uh, um, you know they got uh, they got some pretty good places down there as well. I'm seeing Dave over here as a fellow Italian. He's celebrating it a little bit. Paisan. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Phil, so I got to ask you, when you were here in Vancouver, did you uh did you make your way down to Commercial Drive at any point? No, I don't uh I don't think so. Okay, cuz I was talking to Mike in the summer and I was telling him that basically if you want, you know, like I I know you're you're from Ontario and you've you've definitely got a place like this too. It's like going to Italy when you go to Commercial Drive. You got to you got to check it out. There's so many good delis there. So it's like a little little Italy type yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. There's like yeah, all the businesses like speak Italian. Well, a lot of them, but like tons of delis they and got stuff. The flags up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, during the <laughs> um during the Euro Cup that just happened, it was insane. Yeah. Like people were celebrating in Commercial Drive. Like you can go look at the videos from the summer in Vancouver. Like people were coming out from like Abbotsford and stuff and all of the Italians in the lower mainland came to Commercial Drive and like you know, they, they like shut down the street. Everybody's hanging out the cars, honking, screaming the Italian national anthem. It was great. You got to check it out. <laughs> we had a similar, uh, there was a place called Market Lane that's not too far from where I'm in the summers and same type of deal. So it's funny, uh, you know, our culture kind of wherever we go, we bring it with us. Yeah, exactly. So we got to ask you, where were you when they won the Euro Cup? Uh, I was probably in a rink. <laughs> to be honest with you. So you did, did you not yeah. get to watch the game? No, I'm a poor uh I'm a poor fan. Yeah, fair enough. I, I'm kinda similar in that <laughs> way. Like I only watch the national team and that's about it. Yeah. Hey Phil, I wanted it's to funny, ask like my oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just kinda wanted to ask a little bit about um like growing up playing hockey and you kinda had an interesting path. Uh, not going major junior and going into OJHL. What uh, what kind of led you down that path and then eventually into NCAA? Yeah, so growing up, uh, you know, major junior is kind of like, you know, a dream within the dream. Um, so that's kind of like where I wanted to be. And, um, you know, it would have been special to play there. I got, I was pretty fortunate. I got drafted, which was a big deal to me. And, um, didn't make the team right out of camp, so end up playing uh, Tier Two Junior A uh, for two years, and then um, you know Michigan came calling, which was which is a huge honor and a privilege to have played there. And uh, you know, growing up, I always used to have tournaments in Michigan, so I didn't know too much about college hockey, but I knew about you know the Michigan, Michigan State. Um, you know, more like the bigger name schools. Um, so it was it was just as cool for me to be able to go that route. And uh, I'm glad I did. And I think it worked out pretty well. That's got to be interesting because I'm sure, you know, a lot of people don't really, if they want to get into major junior, that's kind of the goal, like you said. But it's got to be a pretty cool path to, 
you know, go down to a huge school like Michigan and be one of the athletes there. I'm sure you had some fun times at Michigan. Yeah, it was awesome. And uh, to your point, like uh, a lot of my buddies that um, I grew up with, a lot of them played in the OHL. And, um, you know, there was a few guys that around Toronto that ended up going D1 as well. But it was definitely, you know, the different path to take. Um, and, you know, it's funny, I always get, you know, the OHL guys asking me, you know, about my time there. And, um, you know, I think either either one, you know, I think everybody has their own fit. I think it is, you know, for me, I was smaller um, when I was drafted to the OHL. I think I was like five six, mm. probably like a buck fifty in and around that. And then, um, you know, within the next couple of years, I kind of started to grow and fill out. So, um, you know, for a guy like that, I think you know, Michigan or D1 in general is probably the best route um to see like where hockey can take you and then if it doesn't take you anywhere you got you know pretty good schooling in the bank as well so um i think you know you see more like last year i think four of the top five picks were at michigan so that's kind of you know i think that's gonna create a snowball effect of you know probably a lot more really really high-end players are gonna go the college route even though they always have, but just not as much as major junior. Um, But uh, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what that kind of cause and effect uh, ends up being with those, uh, those four, you know, creating their names for themselves. Phil, I wanted to ask, you mentioned that you had uh, friends that went through the OHL path and I always find it fascinating. You were mentioning the trend of a lot more players going the college route, um, I'm curious, based off the conversations that you've had uh, with your friends and, and other players, what sort of players think in terms of the potential pros and cons of, you know, say junior versus uh, college and in, in, in what some of those kinds of, I don't know, decisions look like in terms of what you want to prioritize and just how it kind of differs? Yeah, so I'll answer that in two parts. I think, you know, I think major junior is the quickest way to get to the NHL in my own perception. I think, you know, if you're really good and, and, um, you know, you're, you're able to make it to the NHL really young, I would say, you know, OHL is going to kind of cater to you to do that. Um, but like I said, for myself, the development phase and, you know, I never really strayed too far from home as a, as a as like a young teen. I was kind of like a homebody. So, you know, going to school, I found it kind of helped you grow more as a person and kind of diversified, you know, whether it be relationships, your outlooks on life. You know, you got to take care of yourself. You don't have a billet family, you know, telling you what to do. So yeah. um, I think there's a lot more responsibility. Um, but there is structure around it, obviously, when you're playing. But um, I found, for me, it helped me grow and, you know, kind of take care of myself and, and learn how to kind of fend for myself. Not to say that you won't get that in the OHL, but, um, you know, I think it's a different uh, it's a different path, obviously. But mm-hmm. I think you grow differently in the two paths. Not to say that one's better than the other, but... Um, 
I definitely think that school kind of um, rounds your whole life out a little bit more. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. No. I, what did you study like when you went to Michigan? Like, what was uh, what were you kind of going after there? I wasn't. I wasn't too sure. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I never knew what I wanted to do after hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, and then throughout, you know, the last ten years, I've started to narrow it down. Where, you know, I'm really interested in business and and real estate. So, those are things that, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of gearing myself toward. But I didn't take them in school. Um, but I took a wide variety of things. I took a lot of psychology courses, a lot of history. So, um, yeah, I kind of just went there with an open mind and. Um, I haven't finished yet, but, uh, you know, when I figure out what I want to uh, graduate with, I'm, I'm eager to get that done. Awesome. A- acing those courses or pulling all-nighters and trying to scrape by? What's that, sorry? Were you acing those courses or were you pulling all-nighters just trying to scrape by? Um, I was uh, I was an okay student. Wasn't the best, wasn't the worst. Um. I think a lot of the courses I did well, I was interested in. Um, and then the ones that I didn't, I just wasn't as, you know, eager to learn about it or I don't know. <laughs> just reminded me of my university experience. So, yeah. yeah it's like, we're not, the yeah, right I think people. it's pretty, I think, I, I think we're all, uh, we're all human beings and we kind of, you know, have the same tendencies exactly. here or there. Hey, hey, Phil, I want to get into draft day for you when you're selected by the Carolina Hurricanes, 38th overall, second round pick. Can you walk us through the day? Like, what was the setup for you for the NHL draft when you're going through that uh, pretty awesome experience, I'm sure, for the full family? Yeah, it was a crazy, for a couple of years, it was a crazy lead up because uh, I was kind of off the radar. And I think being a late birthday helped me. Mm. Um, so, I got drafted out of Michigan after my first year because uh, it was a late birthday. So that kind of gave me two two years to get, you know, on teams' radars and stuff. But, um, you know, I don't think I was on many teams' radars going into my second year junior. And then I had a pretty good uh, season, you know, um, end up uh, – not signing with Michigan, but choosing Michigan to go to school. They chose me, vice versa, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I had a really good playoffs. And I remember there was a couple teams that I had heard, you know, were questioning, is this kid available for the draft, this or that? And then I think that summer uh, before Michigan, there was they used to have like the NHL development. Uh, it was like the rules and development. Right. I can't remember the the exact name of it, but it was like probably 50 to 60 of like the top players going into the next year were all invited to do, uh, you know, some games with new rules and stuff. And I had a pretty good showing there. So between the playoffs and that, I think, uh, you know, there, there started to be a peak in, you know, what I could do and, and got on teams, uh, teams radars and then had a really good start to, year at Michigan and um, you know I think I went from off off the draft list to like uh, top 50 within within that year and a half so it was kind of quick and 
Um, you know, I wasn't sure where I was going to go. And then, uh, you know, it was, it was awesome. Like it's, it's something I'll look on, back on and be proud of forever. Um, you know, I had friends and family there and, um, you know, even during it, it was like a pinch, pinch me kind of moment where like you see it happening, but you know, everybody wants to, you know, make the NHL and, and get drafted. But, um, you know, it's such a long process that you just, you never know. And that was kind of like the moment where it's like, Oh boy, like it's here. Like, wow. For like, I'm wondering if you can walk us through like when you're getting, when, like when you find out you get drafted, are you sitting there and it's a phone call? Like, were you just waiting and, or were you watching on TV and you just see your name pop up? Like, how did that kind of happen for you? I'm wondering, cause I'm not really sure how like the second round on kind of works. Yeah. So I was, I was advised by my agent that I could have possibly slip into um, late first round. Mm-hmm. I think I was projected like, let's say 25 to 50. Yeah. Kind of like that's where my agent said I could possibly go or whatever they had the rankings at. So I actually sat through the first day, obviously knew I wasn't going first overall. So I wasn't, uh, I wasn't expecting anything there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then, uh, you know, the first day went by and luckily I didn't have to wait too long on, uh, the second day. So I was there and, um, you don't get to go up on the stage mm-hmm. for the second round, but I went down to the tables and, um, you know, shook hands with the brass and, uh, you know, had, had, uh, some, some conversations with them. And, uh, overall it was a day I won't forget. That's awesome. The family all got to join you there in the arena. Yeah, I had my family there, and then uh, a couple, a uh, couple family friends that uh, I used to play with and grew up with. So um, I'm, I'm glad they were there to enjoy the moment with me. That's awesome, man. And then eventually you go to, you know, you spend some time in Michigan, the three years there, and then uh, get your shot after a full kind of AHL season, and then get your time in the NHL in Carolina. What was that? Uh, do you remember your first game? Like what the feelings were like just taking the ice for the first time as an NHL player? Yeah, I actually remember uh, getting the phone call that I was I was getting called up, and uh, remember calling my parents, and you know it's an emotional moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know I had I think a lot of players have it, but there's like a clause in the contract where they fly your parents out to see your first game, and so it was emotional. But at the same time, they were like, "Oh boy, we got to get uh, we got to get moving here," because <laughs> uh, I think the game was the next day. So uh, a little tearjerker there, and then uh, next day we played it was against Montreal, which was um, you know pretty special to me because I grew up in Toronto, so that was cool, and um, you know it made it you know a little bit more even um, more intense, I guess, just because it's you know Montreal's right next door sort of thing. So that was cool and. Um, yeah, there was a lot of nerves, but I just remember, you know, my first few games, I didn't really think at all. Um, it was kind of just like, go out there and, you know, enjoy, you obviously got to prove yourself, but you got to enjoy it as well. And, um, you know, luckily I, I was able to do that. To, to take it back a step, I was, I forgot to ask about that team that you, your last year at Michigan there, like how many guys came out of that team to go to the NHL? How much fun? was that final year at Michigan for you? I'm like, I'm looking at the names like Hyman and Comfer, Cop, and, and yeah. obviously Tyler Mott here. Like, 
That must have been a confident group of guys going out and playing NCAA hockey, man. Yeah, unfortunately, we we didn't do um, as well as I think we should have my last two years there. My first year, we were really good. Um, I think we were number one or two in the country all year. Hmm. Uh, we had a little, a little goalie, Matt Hunwick, who was unbelievable. Um, but we unfortunately lost in, to Cornell. Hmm. Um, in like the Sweet 16, which was a, a big upset, but um, yeah, it's crazy. Like if you go through guys I play with all three years, there I think every year we had like 13 draft picks, maybe like it was absurd. Um, but yeah, there's a great culture over there, and you know, if you take a look this year, they probably have like somewhere close to 10 first rounders I want to say which is I don't know if there's ever been another junior or college team to ever have that so um, it it is special because you know your teammates and there's healthy competition in there so it it creates this environment where not in a bad way but you're both you're always battling you know for where you are in the lineup and then I think that just makes the team better Um, but yeah if you take a look at those rosters it's pretty I was uh, lucky to uh, bump elbows with a lot of good players. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, one of the uh, one of the fan favorites for Vancouver Canucks fans is Tyler Mott. I'm wondering if you can give us some insight into what kind of person uh, Motter was back in in college. Yeah, so I didn't. I played with him one year. Mm-hmm. I didn't know him too well off the ice, just because uh, I was a little bit older than him. Um, but uh, you know, he had he's he had and still does have a great work ethic. Um, you know, he's he's really strong. He's a beast in the gym. Uh, I actually worked out with him, Cop, and Comfer, I think, three years ago. And me and him were kind of, we were sharing the squat rack there. We are partners. And, um, you know, I could put up some pretty good weight on those racks and, um, you know, he was always there and, and pushing a little bit beyond. So, um, you know, he's not overly sized, but he's he's strong. Um, so, yeah, his work ethic, his strength really impressed me. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a great guy off the ice. So um, can't say enough about him. Right on. Before we get to this season a little bit, um, so I, I tweeted out the video of you scoring that nice through the legs goal the other day, and I couldn't help but notice like so many New York Rangers people like quote tweeting and retweeting the tweet. Is, is there a reason why the Rangers fans love you so much? Like I, I'm just curious, like if there was something off the ice that we didn't know about, but like everyone was saying how much they missed you, and I just kept seeing these pages that were like New York Rangers fan accounts and stuff. <laughs> I guess that's nice to hear, but. Um... <laughs> I, it may be something to do with, you know, a talent in New York or nice. um, maybe they just find my last name fun to say. I don't know, but uh, it could be there was a, we had a little fight there um, at the end of last year. Maybe that had to do with it. I'm not too sure, but uh, um, yeah, I put a smile on my face. So whoever that was, thank you. Yeah, well, it, it was a lot of people, actually. It's kind of surprising. Awesome. I, was, I think I was like, what did he do? Like, uh, But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's good to hear. And now 
you, you find yourself here in Abbotsford, and I found something interesting that you and I were talking about a couple weeks ago, or maybe just a week ago. Here was you're you're really feeling like your game is is coming around in the over the past like week or two here. Like you're feeling like everything's kind of locked in. I know you said you weren't too happy with the start of your year, um, but maybe you can just speak to it a little bit, like how your game's really coming together at this point. Yeah, I think. Uh... At the beginning, there was a, it was not. There's no excuses, but there was a number of things that, um, you know, I didn't think were going, or I didn't have as much control over, and you know, throughout the last number of weeks, you know, I really kind of hit it hard, and and you know, I've gotten my focus to a point where I'm happy at, and um, you know, my work work days have been good, and. Um, you know, it's just remembering that, you know, every day it's just a process of, of becoming the best player, best teammate, best person you can be. Um, and when I kind of hone in on that, I find, you know, gives me a great perspective and then, you know, allows me to bring the best out of myself. Um, you know, whether it be for the team, um, you know, the city, like, for the fans or whatever, I just find, um, you know, when when you focus too much on, on a certain thing, you know, sometimes it goes the opposite way. Um, so I've tried to focus on things that I can't control, and, um, you know, I think I'm controlling them. So um, I still think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that I can do better, but I, I like to think that, you know, every player is going to tell you that, and, just because it's always, you know, a never-ending, you know, perfection of your craft type thing. Phil, I wanted to ask you, going back to training camp, uh, I thought you were one of the standout performers among the guys vying for some of the available roster spots. And I think it was a surprise, certainly for some of, some of us, uh, when you ultimately didn't crack the team, was it a bit of a surprise for you? And uh, I'm just curious what uh, the organization kind of communicated in terms of what they wanted to see from you to get back to the NHL level. Um, you know, it's always disappointing. Um, you know, it's it's our job, um, whether it's your first year in the league, 10th, 15th, whatever. Um, you know, you said goals for yourself going into the year and then you know you set goals for what you hope to accomplish being a part of a team so um you know it was disappointing because my goal was you know to be in Vancouver um but obviously it didn't happen so um you know it was something that I was I was upset about but um at the end of the day you just gotta like I said before control the things you can't control and um, kind of get back to it and, and keep working so that you can, uh, you know, prove or, or define what you can bring, you know, to the big club and, and, and to the team up there. So, um, you know, as far as being told, I think the biggest thing was just, you know, polishing off on the PK. I thought, uh, I thought I did a good job on the PK, but, you know, I'm not going to lie. I don't have too much experience and, um, you know, throughout the season here, I've been doing it a lot. So uh, that's been a focus of mine and, and kind of something that I was new at, but you know, every day, every game, um, you know, I get more comfortable with it. So, um, you know, I'm enjoying 
you know, getting the opportunity to do that. And at the same time, you know, being very um, deliberate in, in what I want to accomplish and becoming, you know, a certified or certifiable PK uh, forward. Right, because you've done it a little bit at the NHL when you've been up here at the penalty kill, and I know you've been able to do do a lot of it from watching you play at Abbotsford this year. Do you feel that there's like a, a good amount of improvement, even from you know training camp to what you're at right now in the AHL season? Yeah, I think there's always things, you know, fine lines between, you know, you're in the right spot, maybe you're a little too far behind, maybe don't push there or push here. Um, so there's always, you know, fine tuning. Um, so I think I've, I've done a little bit of that and then, you know, just, just the comfortability of, with it and, you know, it's similar to the game itself of just the more you do it, the more you can anticipate or the more you know when to go, when not to go or, you know, to put pressure. It's just kind of like a feel thing. That's something I've been, um, kind of feeling out with it is just, you know, the anticipation part and, and, uh, I guess it's just, you know, building more confidence with with the craft of penalty kill. Absolutely. And, I mean, the confidence that we're seeing right now from your line uh, over the past week is pretty unreal. Like, I, you know, there's been a lot of losses in the Vancouver Canucks organization for, for the last few weeks here. But to see what you guys did uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday there, like, that was just such fun hockey. I mean, you scored the goal through the legs on a breakaway. Great pass from Sheldon on that one. Uh, you know, to give the team the lead there late in the second, I believe it was. And then the hat trick goal from Drys the other day, uh, you know, to, to win the game at that point in the third period. Like, how fun was, was Tuesday and Wednesday for you guys to be on the ice for those, you know, really back and forth games that you guys come out on top of? Yeah, it was really fun. And, and uh, you know, it hasn't been it hasn't been an easy year, but, you know, I can't tell you there's ever been, at least in my career, uh, an easy, clear-cut year. So, um, you know, there's always ups and downs and, um, you know, it was tough for a couple of weeks there, but, um, you know, these two games are huge for us. Um, I think we have a fantastic team. You know, you look at the goaltending through the decor to the forwards and, um, you know, I think to get those wins, it's huge for us moving forward. And then, um, you know, being able to contribute, um, is also, huge for us and and our confidence together as a line i think i think the cool thing was you saw it in uh Dreise's, uh game-winning goal there is just you know I, I think we've done really well together um and i think we've been effective together but we've also been i think we've been doing things like how we're supposed to do them and um you know we don't take high-risk plays mm-hmm. Um, or so we don't make high risk plays or, you know, go too crazy out there, so to say. So, uh, it's funny how we got those two goals because, <laughs> you know, it's not, we're not usually out there doing things like that, but, uh, I guess when they work out, uh, it looks good. Yeah. People that aren't watching as many outs for games can be like, oh, you're not doing high risk plays, but you're going through your legs on a breakaway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's. But yeah, uh, like to the to the point of just like I, I think we've done we've played a, a full full length of the ice game, I guess so to say. Of just you know we don't we're pretty good you know in every end and and you know putting pucks deep when they need to be and then you know making and creating plays when it's there. So 
um, you know, those two fancy goals, I guess, are just um, attributed to just doing the right things uh, so far this season. Absolutely. So we won't be seeing too many through the leg goals anymore. I don't know. <laughs> if it works, if it works, why why change it? But uh, <laughs> I don't know when the next time I'll get that open. Uh, to be able to do that, yeah, most definitely. Well, we saw we saw Klimovich try it earlier in a in a penalty or a shootout there. That one point, did you? Uh, I think a, I think a breakaway is easier. I don't know yeah. what it is about it, hmm. but I think like coming down full speed rather than uh, shoot out a goalie can adjust or he can kind of mm-hmm. you know there's nothing else going around him. So um, I think a breakaway is harder for the goalie. So I don't think I would try it that same move in a shootout. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, for whatever reason it worked there, but, um, I think going full speed kind of helps, helps with it. Yeah. Did, uh, I've seen Danilo try that one in a game. I've seen him try and do it when you guys are doing some shootout work in practice. When he saw you score the goal, was he, you know, giving you a death stare or what? Cause I know that seems to be his move that he wants to pull. Off. No, he had, a, he had a smile on his face on the bench. <laughs> nice school field, nice school. So he's, uh. He's a pretty uh, quiet kid, but uh, you know he's, he's got a good demeanor, and um, yeah, I think he was a little shocked I pulled that one out, but <laughs> uh, I can't say he was disappointed. Yeah, I think we all were. That uh, that set the building on fire. That was awesome. Um, hey, Phil, we'll wrap it up there. We've already kept you for too long, man. Appreciate uh, you taking some time out of your day, and uh, Canucks fans are going to be excited to hear this. We we wish you the best of luck. Uh, in Abbotsford and, and hopefully in Vancouver pretty soon, man. I know uh, a lot of Canucks fans have been hoping for that. So hopefully we'll see you in Vancouver soon. If not, uh, continue to kill it out there in Abbotsford, man. Awesome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, here anytime. Absolutely. We'll bring on a fourth co-host. We'll get you in studio here. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Phil. I've, I've been looking for a podcast. Hey, there we go. There you go. We found one. <laughs> <laughs> right on. And a massive thank you to all of our sponsors here at the Canucks Conversation Podcast, which is a perfect segue into our poll question brought to you by Blue Orca Sports Memorabilia at Fuel the Fan on Twitter. They are now on Facebook as well, and they are doing a giveaway Booyah. as well that you should be going to check out Easy right money. now. Yeah, absolutely. So get to the poll question. I'm going to talk more about this giveaway on the other side. But you, Chris, get up, you get on the Facebook, you give them a review on the Facebook store, boom, you're entered in for the giveaway. Nice and easy. Yeah, Check exactly. Blue Worker Sports Memorabilia at Fuel the Fan on Twitter. It is your place to be. Christmas is coming up. All local. you got to do, you head they over to Twitter. local content, folks. Yep. At Fuel the Fan on Twitter. They got the link right there. Hit the shop. Boom. You get your Canuck stuff. Yeah. So get it, to the sorry. Question. It gets you an entry to win an autographed Pavel Bure card. Autographed. That's a rare one. So Facebook.com slash Fuel the Fan slash Reviews. One entry for every review. Boom. Go get yourself. And the draw is on December 4th at 9 o'clock p.m. So you're listening to this on December 4th probably because that's when it comes out. Go do it. Boom. Go check it out. One review per entry. How many reviews? There's got to be someone who's just going to be. There's going to be someone who's just like, like spending all day just like writing up reviews, writing up reviews. Yeah, you get grandma's account. You get your wife's account. Only reason I know this is because I knew a guy at uh, at my school who, and this is like I guess a bit of a veer into the um, 
the other side of the internet, I guess. So he, he, this guy got hired to do fake Amazon reviews. This, this is like some kid in my class who's like 15, 16. And in class, he's writing fake Amazon reviews for like five bucks a pop for products that he, has, that he hasn't even bought. Just like Damn. for five star reviews. And it was just like, this is illegal as hell, but... Wow. Respect the hustle, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just saying, why didn't you get in on this, Harmony? <laughs> I think Harmon worked out just fine. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> didn't need the Amazon reviews to get to yeah. where he's at. Sorry, poll question. Chris, poll question. It to us. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry about uh, that. Which Abbotsford Canuck would you like to see called up to Vancouver? You just heard from him. Phil DiGiuseppe. Jack Rathbone. Will Lockwood. Or I'm angry. Who do we think's winning the poll right off the top here? It's uh, It's a tight one. Almost like a playoff game. It's so tight. I think Phil's winning it. I think it's Lockwood. I think it's Rathbone. You, you, what the <laughs> I do think it's Honestly, it could be any of them. Okay, let's go. Let's kick a guess. Harm, you get Lockwood. First. You think Lockwood? Rathbone. You think Rathbone? Will Lockwood. With 34% of the vote. Phil DiGiuseppe, 30% of the vote. Rathbone, 24. And I'm angry, 12. So Will Lockwood winning the poll right now. But I do think this is one that could go you know, a couple different directions. Like there is good reason to call up all three, honestly, like DiGiuseppe can kill penalties. Lockwood can kill penalties and Rathbone can play the left side instead of Kyle Burroughs playing the left side. So I'm all for all three of these guys. I just wrote about a Canucks army that these were the three guys that I kind of wrote off the top. They should call up mentioned drives and DiGiuseppe, maybe down the road or then and DiPietro for down the road. Maybe one of those two guys, because drives like, you know, 10 goals now, 14 games in the AHL. Decent numbers. Harm. We'll see him on Sunday. We'll, we'll get to see kind of that line's buzzing a little bit right now. So it's good to see them play. Do you guys like have, and I have a thought on which one you would want personally, just to add to this Canucks roster right now, like, you know, Rathbone's got a lot of talent on the defensive end. Like, there are some things he needs to work on in his own zone for sure. But from an offensive defensive <laughs> standpoint, he looks great in the AHL. He looks good at times in the in the NHL as well. Out of the three, we'll start with you, Harm. Which which guy would you want if you could just plant them into the Canucks lineup right now? It's a really good question. I think, uh, well, first, I think you'd have to ask, who do you want out, right? And is it a forward or is it a D? Because I guess you could take Chase on out. That isn't that hard, but um, not hard at all. I'd say for me, in terms of you have to ask ask yourself: Are you more doing this from like? I think in terms of what would be more exciting would be Lockwood for sure, because you can get a sort of taste of where his game is at and is he a potential NHL option, especially because Mott's contract is going to be up and you have to make a decision on what you're going to do with him. And if you have the kind of cheaper internal replacement in Lockwood, and of course Lockwood isn't going to be able to replace Mott, but if he can be 80% of Mott on an entry level deal, then, you know, that, uh, that could matter for a Canucks team that doesn't have a lot of cap space. Now, it it's we're only in December, so we're not at that stage of the season yet to where guys guys like Green and Benning are going to be like, okay, like let's see what the young guys have to show. So for that reason, what's more likely, I guess, is Di Giuseppe, and he's he's I can see him being more likely to he's he's the more NHL ready product. So it just kind of depends on do you want a window into the future and help you guide decisions as it pertains to mod and future roster construction, or do you just want want the maximum lift you can right now? Tomorrow, Harm, who do you want in the lineup? D 
DiGiuseppe. Quads? I'm also saying DiGiuseppe. And I think the main reason is it's a little different than Harm is just because I think Chase on has no place in this lineup. Like, I understand the whole net front power play thing. I get it. I think Pod Colson can do that job just fine. I think what or, you mean, I think you need a specialist to tap pucks in from three. Yeah, three exactly. feet. <laughs> like, I hate this idea that only chase is able to tap pucks in and not be able to screen goaltenders properly. Like how I, I tweet it out every time it happens, but like how many times have you watched a replay of a shot from the point and the goalie and, you know, goalie union every time I tweet it out, I'm like, how nice of chase to have nobody around him, but still just give the goalie a great view of the puck, like not actually screening, but making it look like he's screening. But if they show it from where the shot's taken, you can see that the goalie sees it the whole way and it's just a nothing chance. It's just a turnover. Like, that's all it is. And I don't know. I He's just, like John Wisebrod. People just keep asking what he does. Yeah, and, and there's some people who are very insistent that, oh, well, the numbers show he's great here, so he has to stay here. The fact that Pod Colson's not there in that spot is ridiculous. Like, yeah, Pod so Colson dumb. can do a good job screening. Pro- the thing Let's is, say, like, maybe he isn't as good at Chase on at screening. Sure, because Chase on's done it for a couple years, but... Pod Colson adds a completely new element where he the thing the thing that Pod Colson's done so well as a net front presence is why I made comparisons to him on the power play like Ryan Kessler, where he goes behind the net and becomes a, and adds a whole new aspect yes. of passing plays because he can make passing plays from behind the net. He can keep the cycle going. Chase Hahn can't do any of those things. He's just bigger and stands around the crease. The thing I noticed in the and last right-handed, game, sorry. Yeah, well, Chase Hahn had to retrieve a puck, and then there was no passing option, so he had to hang on to it for like two seconds, and he just turned it over immediately. Like he can't. I, I'm not going to get too far into it, but I think the thing that I look at when I when I look at taking Chase under the lineup in favor of uh, Di Giuseppe is with Pod Colson. The cost in terms of winning games isn't going to shift much. It's not going to move the needle if you have put Colson at the net front instead of Chase on, right? And the benefit of developing Pod Colson into a guy who can play on the power play long-term, like, guys, Chase on's not going to be here next year. Hopefully. He's not going to be here next he's year. He's not a UC Don't well, he, He's probably not going to be here next year. And Vasily Pod Colson is. So why are you not trying to develop Pod Colson? That's my question. I just... I don't get why anybody sees any value in Jason at all. Like, honestly, I think he's only taking nice time away from Pod Colson on the power play. And again, like Di Giuseppe is more valuable because he kills penalties. And that's why I'm I'm really gunning for Di Giuseppe over Chason in the lineup. And I think Di Giuseppe would be more effective five on five. Like Harm, you, Harm, you said this before the season started on this show that you were worried about Chason at five on five. That's not been a, something that has shocked you, obviously, all season of seeing what he has done. I mean, I, I don't know. I look I look ahead here, and you know, we haven't really touched on much about the Canucks like on-ice play, but I want to get into what we can expect from this month of December and just hoping that they can start to string some wins together here. You know, get yourself into the conversation of at least being a competitive team on a nightly basis. A lot of home games here in December, which they kind of need to clean up on, but Harm, you were saying after this December homestand, you got it. Like that's why we're kind of mentioning you got to pick up some wins here in December because what's coming in January for this team? You said it off air before we started recording. That's a that's a scary run of games. Yeah, and let, let's clarify for starters: the Canucks have to pick a camp. Are they? They've got to either go on a run to the point where they're going to actually compete for a wild card spot, or they got to tank. Like let's let, that. That's right. that's what we got to be hoping for. I mean, the worst thing, and this is. 
probably the most predictable outcome is they'll notch some wins and there'll be some buzz and they'll lift up the standings but not close enough to compete for the playoffs and they'll slide in the draft right uh but anyway picked 11th exactly uh but no i mean looking at the december schedule like they have to if they if they want any shot at saving the season it has to be in december because and this this might be the point of the season where people might start hopping on team tank is the middle of january there's a 10 game stretch there where let's let's go through it starts on the road Florida, one of the best teams in the NHL. Tampa, Tampa's Tampa. Carolina, one of the hottest teams in the NHL. Washington, one of the hottest teams in the NHL. <laughs> Nashville, they've at least been competitive this year. I was going to say, Harm, you're four games in and I'm already shaking. <laughs> you're getting to go to 10 here? <laughs> yeah, and then they go back home. Guess who they play? They play Florida again. And then after that, St. Louis, they're still, play- they're still in a playoff contention spot. And then Edmonton. Winnipeg, mm. and then Calgary. Talk about a 10-game stretch where you're not picking up an easy win on you're, any of those nights. You're not the favorite in any of those 10 games. None of them. As the Canucks. You're, you're, even if the Canucks are going at that point, I don't think they're the favorite in any of those games. Maybe, maybe against Nashville if maybe. they were playing to, their full, to, the, to the max of their potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I guess the, the point is your, I mean, maybe by that point people are, people might look at that as a positive in terms of let's get the tank rolling, but yeah, January is going to be a rough ride. And that's why I kept sort of like, I kept sort of emphasizing in, in October that, geez, the schedule's so easy. They were playing like Seattle and Mm. Buffalo and Detroit and Chicago and, Philly and it's like you got to pick up wins here like what are you guys doing this is this is where it's supposed to be easy to bank points in January from that point on you're going to be climbing uphill so they couldn't do it in October and well uh and that's why this is so challenging you you look at the record right now and you look at what's coming up but that's why I look at December and like if you do want to have that conversation all about this they have to it's got to be this homestand, this this run of home games, which is just wild in December to see how many home games they play. They got to start building on this two game win streak. I think I think you said it earlier in the show, like they got to get to like you know they got to get on like a seven or eight game win streak here. To, they like, they need to a massive through. like they need a massive massive run. I mean, think about it this way: two years ago, when they were sort of right on the edge, they're at the. There were a 50-50 for the last wildcard spot uh, before the season shut down. That included a 14-3-0 run. Right. And, and of course, the Canucks didn't start that year as poorly as they did as they did this one. So if they were operating kind of normally and they still needed a 14-3-0 run to get into contention, imagine the kind of run they need to go on to get back into the race after this kind of a hole. It's a big one. It's big, probably bigger than that 14-3-0. Yeah, and that's why, like, low-key, I'm already at the point where, I mean, if you're if you're a Canucks fan, I mean, this, again, it sounds bad to say in December, but hopefully they just, the last thing, the only outcome I don't want is for them to get on a run in December and then and then play, like, decent hockey the rest of the way and end up finishing, like, 21st in the league. 
I need to like let people know behind the scenes. Harm like just put his hands together like he was praying as he was saying that. <laughs> like, you just can't do Imagine another one of those. Imagine the pain of this season and picking like twelfth overall. Yeah, that's so true. It was to so see what they've funny done. to me the tweet you sent out, Harmon, where you were like, the, "Like Jim Benning's been on the job since I was thirteen years old." And like you and I both, like that that makes both of us. And people were replying to it. They're like. Oh, you're so spoiled. You have no idea how bad it how bad it is. It's like I just the point was it was through one one regime exactly. Mm. Like exactly. that was the point. The point wasn't uh, wasn't wow. I've seen a lot of bad hockey. Yeah. The point was I've seen a lot of bad hockey and nothing's changed. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I just I found that hilarious because I was just like, oh man. Yeah. People. Oh, I think we'll we'll close it out yeah, there. We'll wrap it up um, there. I don't have much of a prospect update. Oh, I do. Uh, Lucas Forcell scored his first SHL goal the other day. Nice, you know, fine-looking little goal. Good to see him getting back some SHL uh, gains. We obviously talked to him uh, a few, I guess, like about a month, maybe six weeks ago now, and he, he was in a tough spot, you know, on that uh, that J20 team where they were losing so many games. Uh, I said it on this podcast a bunch of times. That team sucked so bad. Uh, it was good to see him get up into the SHL, score his first goal finally uh, in the SHL, and that was uh, good for him, 18 years old. Still 18 years old. So really good uh, for Lucas Forcell in that spot. And Dimitri Zlodiev's getting the KHL time. Also getting some buzz now for the Russia junior team. So that's good to hear for Zlodiev. Um, that's that's pretty much all. I mean, Aiden McDonough's still scoring 13 goals, 16 games. I haven't checked the game tonight. But if I'm, if I'm being 100% honest, would not shock me one bit to see Aiden McDonough score a goal uh, for Northeastern. The guy's just been, he's been unreal so far this year at putting up goals. Like, Harbit, I've hyped him up quite a bit. Is There's got to be some hype when you score 13 goals in your first 16 games in the NCAA for McDonough, right? I know you've, you've watched a lot of him play, too. Yeah, and he's definitely... A- underrated as far as um as far as the, the uh, these sorts of prospects go you never really hear much about him um especially for where he was drafted the one thing i'll say though is man it is still going to like i was just comparing for fun his uh scoring totals against adam Godetz yeah at the ncaa and it's like man the the differentiating thing though is it's almost like you kind of kind of got to view it like junior where I'm looking at Goddett in his sophomore season. Even he had 26 goals, 52 points in 37 games. Obviously in his junior year, he had 30 goals in 38 games, 60 points overall mm-hmm. point is he tore it up and just blew McDonough's point production out of the water. And we've seen that Goddett hasn't really mounted to anything at the NHL level. Right. So obviously like, expectations in check and not that anyone in Vancouver is getting carried away with Aiden McDonough, but um, he's, he's interesting. And I do think he's obviously got a lot of work to do in his skating and other parts of his game, but he's, he can absolutely rip the puck and he's got some size. So he's the kind of player where he's going to have to, I think, learn sort of what his identity or role at the next level is going to be kind of similar to like the last thing you want is for him to end up in a Joe Nagajevich situation where it's not a great skater. It's a good goal scorer, but is he talented enough to be a middle six piece? And if not, does he end up in that sort of vacuum in that middle of like, he's a great AHL player, but not quite good enough to crack an NHL lineup. But obviously that's way further down the line. And it's at least exciting to see him scoring as much as he is because yeah, I mean, regardless 
um, 13 goals in 16 NCAA games. That's pretty impressive, especially like la- uh, last, I think it was last, they played last season, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, 10 and 10 for him. Yeah, and the main thing was when Madden left, McDonough's production didn't really fall off. Right. So that, to me, was was good because you lose your playmaking dynamic centerman and your production doesn't drop off. Like That, to me, was at least a positive sign as well. So good to see some momentum building there for sure. Yeah, and it wouldn't shock me to see us you know, see McDonough in a Canucks jersey this year, whether it be Abbotsford or Vancouver. If the season's really gone down, you got to give him a run in the NHL, but it wouldn't shock me to see him in the A and sign after this year as well. So that's the exciting part uh, of the prospects. I know I said I didn't have much, but it was nice to chat a little bit there. So we'll wrap things up. Our quads, you want to wrap things up? Yeah, absolutely. Our thanks to Phil DiGiuseppe and, of course, all of our sponsors. Remember to go check out Bloor Sports Memorabilia. It's Christmas time. Write all those fake reviews and just, like, juice your odds. <laughs> yeah, juice your odds. It's a signed Pavel Burry card. That's, that's legit. You know, it's a, that's a hard signature to get. Yeah, absolutely. All right, for Chris Faber... And Harmon Dial, my bad Harmon. My name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 